0: I feel like the more we can explore consciousness, the more truth is going to emerge in the work and the more mysterious the work is therefore going to become.
1: Hi friends, you're listening to Art and Magic, a podcast where we connect all things practical, magical, and really real when it comes to walking the artist's path. I'm your host, Devin Walls, painter, mentor, and dreamer. Thank you so much for being here. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're doing well. Today is a really exciting day because my conversation is with Erin Laurie. And Erin is definitely a kindred spirit. We had a the best time talking together. And it was so exciting to have her on the show because I've really genuinely admired her paintings for quite some time now. So to talk with her and connect with her was such a treat. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation, a lot of great things about process. I really love Erin's perspective on how she uncovers the meaning in her work. And, you know, how she navigates having a process that's very intuitive and unplanned, and particularly how she honestly talks about her work now versus maybe when she was in art school. In addition to that, much of this conversation revolves around Erin's experience and relationship to plant medicine, particularly ayahuasca. Uh, In fact, we actually jump right into this conversation by talking about what it's been like for her to be so publicly open about her experiences with ayahuasca and how she's been navigating talking about that in relationship to her art and in the gallery and exhibition world. So on that note, this conversation is a little bit of a new edge for me. You know, I've personally experienced a lot of benefits, both personally and creatively, from working with ayahuasca and other psychedelics. You know, I care a lot about destigmatizing them. And I think that whatever aids us in knowing ourselves on a deeper level, healing, and connecting to something greater is relevant to our art and to our process. And it's important for us to name if that's something that's been important for us. However, this is something that I've yet to openly talk about myself, so I'm really grateful for and inspired by Erin's transparency in this department, and it's one of the many reasons I invited her on the show. She had some great stories to tell and really wise correlations between medicine work and the creative process that I think you'll really enjoy, whether plant medicine is something that's of interest to you or not. You know, because I wanted to make a lot of space for Aaron's story, we don't actually talk a whole lot about what ayahuasca actually is or cover the basics. Um, and the other reason for that is there's so much information like that already out there that you can access. But if this is the first you're hearing about ayahuasca, I'll say a couple things about it just so you can have an understanding for this interview. So ayahuasca is a South American entheogenic brew made from a combination of plants, so it's psychoactive, and it's traditionally used as an aid in spiritual practice, you know, for things like physical, spiritual, and emotional healing. It's taken in the context of a ceremony, and that would be led by an ayahuasquero or a shaman, it's not a recreational thing, so I just want to name that, but a lot of people have found really great healing in their experiences, and it's often described as 20 years of therapy in one night. You know, i also say from my own experiences that it is has been very healing for me, and it's also been very intense. It's really not something that's for the faint of heart, and I think Erin alludes to that a little bit in her shares as well. So that all being said, I do feel the need to share a couple brief disclaimers so that I can share this episode responsibly, and it's not just for this episode, but for any future episodes where I might talk about things of this nature. Um, I'm not necessarily recommending plant medicine or psychedelics to anyone. First of all, it's not legal in the States with very little exceptions. Um, And like I just said, you know, in my experience, this is serious stuff. It it requires a lot of research and contemplation and self-knowing, personal medical understanding before going into it. And it should really only be dabbled in if you truly feel called, not just because other people are doing it. I think that's really important. And I also want to say like, this is just one tool of many uh, where you can gain healing and insight. Uh, We also talk about in this conversation that Erin relates to a lot of people who have found healing in other practices or have these really beautiful moments in nature. This is just one avenue related to many others. So please keep that in mind. Okay, so all that being said, I'm really excited to share this conversation with you guys. It was really exciting for me to find another artist that I feel such a resonance with where we could jam on this stuff together. So I hope you enjoy listening to that. So if you don't already know her, Erin Laurie is a Toronto-based painter from Ontario. She completed her BFA at OCAD University in 2012 she has exhibited nationally and internationally, including Toronto, Montreal, New York, San Francisco, and the UK with a re- recent museum solo exhibition at the Tom Thompson Art Gallery in Owen Sound, Ontario. She has worked in a number of collections and has participated in residencies at Art Space Young Place in Toronto, Chachaca Centre de Arte in <laughs> the Peruvian Amazon jungle. Her work has been featured in Young Space, Momus, CBC Arts, The Toronto Star, Beautiful Decay, Boom, and Huffington Post. She's represented by Peter Robertson Gallery in Edmonton. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between me and Erin Laurie. Okay, so we're just going to pick off, as we often do, about uh, what we were chatting about one second ago before this recording and (laughs) just this idea about. plant medicine and psychedelic use is really taboo. And we don't really see a lot of people talking about it. And that was, other than the fact that I was instantly drawn to your work first, um, I could kind of then after following you kind of got the sense like this girl seems like she might have a connection to these things, which drew me in even further. Um, and I'm guessing you get that a lot. So can you talk about like what it's been like since you started mentioning it? Like, you know, maybe thoughts about being more out about this and how that's unfolded for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting because my work shifted from realism to the type of work I'm doing right now, about a year before, not even maybe like 10 months before I um, had my first ayahuasca experience. Mm. So it was like, kind of interesting timing, because I was just sort of getting into working in a way that um, embraced the process and the unknown and uncertainty and um, doubt and fear and all of those things. Mm. And so, so I, and I had my first, I I had tried psychedelics before that, but it was never in like, um, a ceremonial situation or it wasn't intentional. Um, and it wasn't focused on healing and, um, gaining deeper awareness into my own, uh, spirit, mind, the universe. So I didn't really talk about it at all in the public eye for maybe close to eight years after my first
1: um, ayahuasca ceremony.
0: So Mm. eight years is a long time.
1: Yeah, that's a really long time. But also I understand. (laughs) Yeah, um,
0: I think, I mean, as like I've heard you talk about a lot in your podcast, like developing the confidence to stand behind your work and what it's about and what it means to you is can be such a long process. And I think it's an eternal process because the work is also always changing and it should feel a little bit uncomfortable, I think. Um, But it took me a long time to, to learn to articulate or to become comfortable articulating what my work even meant like artistically and visually. So I think I had to get there first before I was able to talk about this other dimension to the work, which I, Felt like was a little bit risky because up until about a year ago, I did actually care quite a lot about how I was perceived by people from the outside, galleries, curators, other artists. Actually, other artists not so much because I know that we all do this kind of stuff, but people just don't talk about it that much. <laughs> but um, I think what happened was I started talking about it openly. Um, I think just a year, about a year ago maybe less than a year ago. Um, after I did a, I went to Costa Rica and did, um, a week long retreat with, uh, four, cere- four ayahuasca ceremonies. And in the first ceremony, the medicine told me that like my medicine to the world is my work. Mm. And it just, but it made it less about me. So I made it easier to talk about. I was like, okay, so this is my this is my purpose and there's no way around it. So that's just how it is. And and so it freed me up to talk about um the healing process a bit more. And I think it's I always think about artists that have influenced me and the fact that they've given me permission to do certain things and to be open about certain things. And I would I would hope that in talking about it and how it relates how my work um how it connects to my work. I would hope that I'm opening up like a path for people to talk about these kinds of things.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you most certainly are for sure. Um, Because I think, you know, for one thing, it takes two people or more to have a conversation. Yes. (laughs) um, I mean, of course you can share things yourself, but there is this sense, you know, I've been a little bit on this path myself and um, I think finding you and having a ton of respect for your work at the same time, it is a bit of a permission of a permission giver, you know? Um, yeah. Like, how can we normalize this? And actually, something I wanted to ask you in particular about, so this kind of fear about speaking about it in the exhibition gallery type of world, how has that gone for you? Because I think that's the one thing I'm really curious about. I even saw, I think on one of your shows, there was like a written portion about a piece that like directly referenced a ceremony.
0: Yeah, that was <laughs> exactly <laughs> that was the first time that I had put it into writing. And oh, put okay it out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I had spoken about it verbally and in artist talks and stuff. But that was the first time I like, literally
1: put it out there um, for the world to see and to read. <laughs> So how did that go? Have you found, like, I'm I'm curious about your own process, like your feeling experience, maybe showing up to that show with that. And then how is it? Yeah. How have you, have you been navigating that?
0: Okay. So it's actually really interesting in that I feel like it opened up this possibility to actually draw in the people to me that I would naturally connect with anyways. Mm. It's like, here's a little bit of who I am, And either you connect to that or you don't. And if you do, like it really, really opened up a lot of conversations. And a lot of people started opening up to me about their own um, experiences, either with psychedelics or just in nature and with healing processes and any uh, tons of other modalities as well.
2: Mm. So it was
0: this like really beautiful, reaffirming moment in my career. And also, it's like, you know that saying, like if, or I don't even know what the saying is, but um, <laughs> it's better to have a few people love you than a lot of people, I don't know, it's like better yeah, yeah, to, yeah. you know what I mean? I yeah, feel like, the like the not saying. really know you. Yeah, like why not just be me to the fullest and just put it out there? Because it takes more effort not to be you, I find.
2: Mm.
0: And not, and to, and to withhold information that's about you. I feel like that's, And I I I just learned that recently. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, I'm thinking about you know it's an interesting correlation because and you know in a second for those listening we'll get a little bit more into plant medicine and the actual healing of it because we're more just talking about it I think because that's a lot of my interest. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, But we will get into that. But I'm thinking about how it's also permission giving. I think to bring in something that's spiritual. Um, like you said, like people asking. About or talking about their experiences in nature with you. And I think um, plant mes- medicine and psychedelics is so representative of that, something that um, has been hard to tie into the conversation. Like, I know I find when I'm talking about my art or wanting to present it in a professional context or like an academic one, you're like, how much can I, am I allowed to say here? Totally. Um, and so I don't know if you've experienced that or where you're at with that now.
0: Well, I think that there is like a resurgence of artists making work that's maybe spiritual in nature or about spirituality but less about specific like religions or veins of thought and more about like the direct experience of the human Mm -hmm. and whatever else we're connecting to so it's kind of a like that's my perception of what's happening and I because I feel like it's something that people at least in our society are craving Because our whole lives now are like, our attention is taken away from us. It's commodified. Our phones are so distracted. We have like virtually no time even just to ourselves. And I feel like there's just this dire need to connect to something more human and also more spiritual. Because I think... You can't be human without at least acknowledging that other dimension to living because there's so much about being being that we do not understand. Like we're a living mystery. We're living in this mysterious universe. But like I feel like I I don't mention ayahuasca unless I unless I think that it is it, like the work needs it needs me to mention it. Yeah. Um. For that particular painting, it did, and for that show, it did. The one that you were just referring to. Um. I find that you know, because the work isn't about ayahuasca or psychedelics or that healing process necessarily. That's a part of it. But the work is about transformation of emotions, of perception, of matter and energy and meaning. And so, of course, the nature of psychedelics is to show you those inner processes so profoundly and so clearly. Um, So it's like, it's not about that, but it is, that's such a huge part of my own understanding of myself and the universe. So you could talk about the work in that, in that light, or you could talk about, you know, the process of making, the process of learning through making, and it's all the same thing, mm-hmm. which is whether or not you mentioned, mention that, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that's why, I mean, I haven't explicitly said that about my own work because I, I think the same, you know, I envision my relationship with, plant medicine and psychedelics more as, you know, how one might think of like therapy or time Absolutely. in or right. Like you said, yes. that's part of the process. And so I don't usually mention those other things as part of my process. Those are just all things that help me personally
0: get Absolutely. deeper
1: into the content and my themes and all of that.
0: Absolutely. um I feel like the more we can explore consciousness, the more truth is going to emerge in the work and the more mysterious the work is therefore going to become and i think that there's so much like we're so attracted to mystery you know like and not being able to fully grasp something especially like our work is i don't know you the meaning is always shifting around you know mm. depending on your state and the state of every, every aspect of it's always changing it um it kind of like resists interpretation in a way you know it's like so slippery and i love that about your
1: work and i hope that i hope that people get that from my work too mm. Yeah. It's a it, you know it's funny that you say that because it's something that I definitely love about your work but then as the artist it can feel really challenging. <laughs> yeah. um, that slipperiness, I think that's the perfect word for it, which actually we're kind of just jumping all around the map here but I think that's Yeah, that's great. great. <laughs> How that's going to go because I wanted to let me think for a sec. Actually, let's come back to that. Let's come back to like the work and the themes. And since we're kind of all uh talking about plant medicine and that I would love for you to just give us a brief overview of your relationship to it. I mean, we've been talking a bit about that, but maybe like how it entered the scene. Um, You did mention like a shift in the before and after of your work. So maybe just a little Mm -hmm. bit more about your experience with it.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll try and be brief. Um, Okay, so it's kind of a long story, but I'll just give a brief introduction uh, to how this all the end. In my last year, my undergrad, um, in 2011, I was doing realistic, figurative work and I was so lost. I had just recently had like two years of an intense identity crisis and I didn't know why I wanted to make art and I was, didn't know what I was making. And I was so um, attached to planning, having everything planned and knowing the outcome of the piece and executing it. And, um, I broke my third metatarsal in my foot actually just a few days before my last year started and it changed everything. It was like this pivotal moment in my life where um, my bone actually didn't heal. So I I had crutches for the the first whole semester, so for four months. And um, being physically limited like that revealed to me so much about myself and what I was always trying to run away from and what I couldn't literally couldn't run away from anymore uh, (laughs) within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's such a gift because it forced me to slow down and to pause and to actually confront um, aspects of myself and my past that I had been avoiding for many years. And so what ended up happening was that I I think a lot of tension and frustration had built up over the course of those four months. And I had started painting all of these small self-portraits and they were loosening up and I was starting to, you know, um, become a bit more free with my painterly really application. And as soon as I got my cast off, I just threw away the references and just started making work with a lot more color and texture. And it was like a total 180 from what I had done. It just came out like I still have the first paintings that I made that day. Um, from that shift. And so I was making this work. And up until that point, I hadn't even looked at any abstract artists. I had only looked at realistic figurative artists for my entire career, uh, university career. So I, I didn't know anything about, you know, abstraction or the history of abstraction or anything like that. So everything I was making was just completely coming from me that's why I think that it actually ended up working out so perfectly and it feels so honest because it's not derivative in any way I don't think consciously at all and I I do feel like it's the most honest work that I can make so anyway I was making that work and didn't know what it was about exactly but I just had to externalize these paintings so um fast forward a little bit I had booked the residency in Peru uh in the Amazon jungle that would begin like September 10th, the year after graduating. So, and I bought a one-way ticket and I didn't know if I was going to come back. Um, I really didn't want to make art anymore. I was so burnt out and just absolutely, I was just deflated. A lot of people are after school and, but I was going to this residency and the residency was so early in its conception. And I was one of, I think, three artists there at the time and I didn't want to make any art at all. It was like this really weird moment where the, obviously the founder of the art center, um, the art center is called Sachaka Centro de Arte. And she was like, so like, what are you gonna make? And all this stuff and I, the, over the, cause she 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 lives in the jungle. She wants to connect with artists. Like this is her opportunity to talk about art and make art. And I, it was the last thing that I wanted to do. So I ended up just spending three months at the art center. like learning as much Spanish as I could because I fell in love with this Peruvian guy who was the carpenter at the art center. And it was this really like wild, passionate, fleeting love. And I made a little bit of art. And it was mostly small acrylic paintings that I just like did because I had to. I <laughs> felt really bad. But so I had to learn, hey, okay, being in this residency first of all, people that live in the jungle, like, it's, like, on the island, like, they're on their own time, like, there's no sense of time, actually, they're, like, if we're supposed to meet up, we will, you don't have to plan things, (laughs) and I had to, like, really, like, learn to let go of all of these, like, structures that I had lived with, like, time frames, planning, and I was stressed out for no reason, I was stressed because I wasn't stressed, and it was just this, like, Unraveling of all of these ways that I had learned to be. But because I was in a new environment, it just felt so like dis there was so much like conflict between the way that I was and the way that this place was asking me to be. And it took a pretty much the entire three months, maybe even more. But um what ended up happening at the end of the three months is I had run out of money for the third time. And I didn't have a flight home, and I was just gonna hitchhike to Cusco and try and get a job at a hostel or something. And it was a really far hitchhiking ride, let me yeah. tell you. Um, but I, and, and so these two people had come to the art center uh, and with their baby, and they they had just come from a healing center in the lowland Amazon jungle. And they were telling us all these stories about it, and I instantly was like, I have to go. I just felt his energy in my heart, and I was like, I know I have to go so that night I prayed to the universe to send me money if I was supposed to continue my journey and to go there and drink ayahuasca and do a dieta and the next day I went into the city and checked my email and I had gotten an email saying that um, this gallerist in Toronto had sold a couple of paintings and he paid me right away which never happens so Mm. I said okay so I'm going so I took a four-day boat ride on the Amazon River Um, And then like another boat ride uh, from this one city to this other place. And then like a two hour drive and then an hour hike or something. I can't remember. It was so long ago, but it was like this journey into the jungle. Meet this shaman who only went into the city like once a month to check his email. And he doesn't advertise his center. So he was like one of the few people that it's just based on word of mouth, which I totally love and um you know it was like a really basic setup there were no toilets no running water no electricity at all um and then I ended up doing a dieta with him for 30 days so as you know like eating a very simple strict limited diet and working with ayahuasca and having a like he held ceremonies every night almost and but I only drank ayahuasca every third night um during the dieta because there was so much to process Mm -hmm. um one of the wow it's so like crazy to think back on all this but um because the ayahuasca brew the tea is different everywhere you go right and they, they can cook it differently with different plants and it depends on like the energy of the shaman and the environment and everything like goes into this medicine so the medicine with Luis was very very like it was almost like and I haven't really had ceremonies like this ever since then but they were like slow dreams unfolding and they were they were mostly very slow but I recovered from a health issue that I'd had for years that wasn't going away and because as you know you ask an intent or you can say an intention or ask a question before a ceremony and literally you I I always get an answer and it comes either clearly through like a you kind of like hear it in your mind or it's answered to you in the sense it's like a kind of like a movie scene that you have to decipher um and so my relationship with ayahuasca basically what that showed me with, with Luis was that it was almost like this magical place that I had been looking for my whole life and been seeking as a child and that I had felt was missing. Mm. And it showed me that everything is so much more than we think it is. And so I stayed with him for a month and I came back to Canada right after, but I didn't really, and I had, and I had another identity crisis. It was like reverse culture shock. And I was like, how do you guys not understand what I'm talking about? Mm. This isn't all there is in life. Like you need to connect. You know what I mean? I was like, trying to I was like preaching to everybody trying to get them to convert and no one wanted to hear about it and it was the most like disheartening chapter of my life I would say um but at least it showed me something showed me that healing is possible it showed me that other dimensions are possible it showed me that yeah it just showed me this magic and but I didn't implement any of the lessons into my life at all (laughs) I didn't make any changes. In fact, I might have even gone worse. (laughs) Like, like, I might have even fallen into this like these dark patterns, destructive patterns, even more so. Which I actually think is perfect because when I was drawn to it again, so it always it for me. I always know when I have to go back. It just Mm. is like in within like a split second. It just I just know. I'm like I have to go, and then that's it. And there's no question. There's literally no consideration like if it calls me that's it I'm booking a flight I'm booking a dieta I'm doing whatever um but I never really thought that I would go back after that and I just kind of lived with it and for I think it was four or five years um I didn't even think about going back really Mm -hmm. um until a friend of mine my best friend actually she and I were supposed to do a road trip Through the southwest American deserts in 2017. And a few days before our road trip started, the car broke down. And I was like, That's so weird. And I actually knew we weren't going. She planned everything to the like minute of our like two month long road trip or whatever it was. And I didn't make a single plan. And I think I just knew we were going. And so we just ended up booking a flight to Costa Rica because that's where she wanted to go. And then we went there together. And after Costa Rica, I went back to Peru. I was like, well, if I'm down here, I'm going to go back to Peru, Mm -hmm. back to the art center, um, and meet up with that guy, Martin, to see if we still had a connection. And long story short, I went back to the art center, and Trina, the founder of the center, was like, you came at the perfect time, because I found this incredible healer that everyone in the community is working with, and these elders from the jungle are going to come to hold ceremonies at his center. And so it's like this really amazing, powerful event and we're going to go. So I was like, okay, thinking that we're just going to do a couple of ceremonies and then go back to the art center. My experience with ayahuasca while I was at the center, I ended up staying there for a month because the shaman was like, you have to stay. You have so much stress and tension in your mind and your body and you're going to develop fibromyalgia, which I had symptoms of as a teenager. And it was horrifying. Like I couldn't move my joints. I couldn't function. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, how is this possible I had this as a teenager and he said or what I thought was that and he said yeah that was that's a preview for if you don't heal the stresses in your mind this is where it's going and so I stayed there for a month working with him drinking ayahuasca totally differently um and having the most some of the most profound visions and lessons I've ever had and it shook me out of any well I would say all negative destructive patterns it like kicked my ass out of it like completely it showed me my future self and what I need to do to become her it like it was like everything just in my mind was like it's like if you become pregnant you just know you have to be healthy it's like Mm -hmm. that's like the feeling that I got um it was kind of like a life or death situation in my mind you know I was like and so so, I left that center, came back to Canada, made so many changes in my life, like started eating healthy, exercising, doing yoga, meditating every day, um, changing my thought patterns, like literally everything that I could do to become a better person and to to heal and like let go of stress and worry and expectations and these burdens that I was carrying, I did. And then I met ended up meeting my partner, Sean, who I'm still with, who like has been such a crucial part for me on my healing journey. And he has helped me develop aspects in myself that were my weakest parts, I guess I would say. I think we both balance each other out that way. And so living with him for two years um, and doing a lot, a lot of healing and like unearthing and Confronting with him, um, I felt something was not right inside me. I didn't know what it was. So he owns a float center. Uh, have you heard of floating sensory yeah, deprivation? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he uh, he and his business partner own a center in Toronto, and I decided I was going to float every day for a month just to like see what would happen, just to calm my nervous system down, quiet my mind every day for an hour. And to see if to see if that can reveal to me what what I need to work on or what I need to look at because you know like that gnawing feeling that but it's you just can't put your finger on what it is.
1: Yeah, I've heard it referred to. I don't know if you've read any like Glennon Doyle Mountain, but in her first book, she talks about <laughs> the hot loneliness, which I, I love. the way like, she, That's a good term. <laughs> absolutely, I mean yeah. it's perfect. You floated every day for a month. And yeah. Yes. And, um, and
0: I didn't know that floating was such a medicine either. So what happened, what happened was after I stopped floating, like the whole month I was floating, nothing surfaced. I just felt really relaxed, just super relaxed for the whole month. But the minute that I stopped floating after those 30 days, everything started to come up. So it was like floating that often like settled the waters. And then this stuff was just starting to, like, come up from the depths. And again, I was like, I have to go drink ayahuasca. I like, I need to – because this is something that I can't deal with alone. So I booked a retreat, and I decided to try um, a different kind of center this time. So I went to, like, a – like, kind of like a luxury ayahuasca
1: resort. <laughs> I know the – what's his last name? Powell? Jerry Powell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I <laughs> He's crazy yes. crazy guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um okay the ceremonies there are so they're otherworldly like I didn't know what was gonna happen because there are a lot more people in the ceremony mm-hmm. like we had a really low amount we had 50 but normally they're like sometimes like 90 that's a lot for first oh it's a lot yeah um but they were I think some of the best ceremonies I've ever had wow um I don't know what like the shamans are just so incredible the environment like the helpers everything is just perfect like it's a well-oiled machine you know what I'm saying mm. um the ayahuasca is so strong and so powerful literally the first night of ceremonies I drank the first cup and I was really relaxed and I just I didn't have any butterflies in my stomach like I normally do I was like I'm ready for whatever it's going to show me this time And the intention that I had that night was show me who I've become. And probably within 20 minutes, um, the medicine started showing me all these like typical like psychedelic colors and like visions and animals and things. And it was really like beautiful and seductive visually. And I was like, ooh, this is fun. Like, this is pretty. Like, what's going to happen? And then right when it had pulled me in, it did like a complete 180. And it was like, okay, you're here. Now we're going to do the work. And it was like, threw me into the depths of like this. I'm not going to go into it right now because it's a little bit personal, but basically it had, it showed me a series of traumatic experiences from my teenage years. And it showed me that it started in my younger years. And I literally had to be open to reliving them because to heal it, you have to experience it. Like you have to go back into it, experience it in order to let it go and to have closure. So like one by one, I had to go through these experiences and I saw them like leaving my womb, like one by one, like ghosts. And it was the, and I cried for like for hours and hours and hours. And I realized that that was all inside me. That was in my body. And that was, like that energy and that trauma had been stored inside me and it was affecting every aspect of my life. And it was that thing that I had felt was there, but didn't know what it was or how to access it. And it was like the most powerful healing I've ever had. It's actually really funny because I've had really painful menstrual pain my whole life. And I realize now that that's like, that's where I was holding that trauma. And it makes sense that that's why, that's where um the pain was like uh, focused in my body. And as soon as those ghosts had left my uterus in the ceremony, I was like, oh, I'm ready to have a child now. Wow. In the ceremony. And I was like, holy shit, I've never wanted kids in my entire life. Like, I never wanted them. I never thought about wanting them. I, hoped maybe I would want them one day. I just didn't ever feel that urge or that desire to be a mother. And I I realize now it's because there was no there was no room for them. Like Mm -hmm. energetically. All that trauma was being stored in my womb and my uterus. And so there was and so that was very profound to me too. So like you know your you know your body tells you it tells you what has to be healed and we just have to listen to it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. There's so much in all of those stories. Thank you for sharing just your story and being so open about the ins and outs. The one that (laughs) really stuck out to me was actually in the beginning when you were saying like you saw this magical place that was real. And there is a sense where, of course, I got an image of your paintings. (laughs) (laughs) And so I kind of want to, and of course, I know your paintings are about much more than that, but I want to tie it back a little bit to your art journey. And totally. I'm curious about like, what do you think the biggest impacts have been in your relationship with plant medicine on your art or in your process?
0: Um, okay. So working with plant medicine, I feel teaches you so much about surrendering. Surrender is the hu- hugest part and allowing what's coming and what's happening to move through you. So it's like about not resisting, not questioning, not over analyzing or intellectualizing, but feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I have i con- I'm constantly battling with that. Like, I mean, I'm a Virgo and my rising sign is Pisces. When I learned that, That's I was like, Pisces. that makes,
1: yeah. oh my God, I love What's Pisces. your moon sign? <laughs> Cancer. <laughs> okay. So you're very watery. I was like, I need very, to know that you brought this up.
0: <laughs> I know. So watery. And I was like, wow, that makes Because Pisces and Virgos are also complementary signs. Yeah. So that's why I always feel torn. Like I'm two different people. Which actually, Mm -hmm. if you can harness those energies, it's actually powerful. But I'm only just beginning, I think, to learn how to harness them. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Why
1: did I why did I bring that up? Sorry, I cut you off. You were talking about allowing and surrendering. And I think Oh yeah. I'm, I'm imagining because oh, yeah. Virgo's like to control. Maybe that's why you brought that up.
0: <laughs> yes. T- totally. And to like overthink everything and to yeah. do like being a perfectionist also. Um I think that so that that's what it's taught me mostly about surrendering and allowing. Um, but also and moving into um discomfort. Like moving into the fire like that's where the growth happens no -hmm. matter what in your art practice and your life like during a ceremony you have to go into it it's inevitable like and so and the freedom that you feel on the other end of that is so yeah you can't compare it to anything but um I think that it doesn't teach me like I would say that witnessing the Transformation of myself and my inner world and my thoughts and my perceptions and my beliefs, my value, everything, which I do on a day to day basis anyways. Like I feel like my lens is mostly pointed inwards, and I'm always observing these like subtle shifts in my being and my energy. and that's what comes into the work naturally. I feel like working with plant medicine, it just mirrors my painting process so perfectly. Mm. Um and I think that whenever I'm stuck in the painting process, I also just think about what works during an ayahuasca ceremony because it's actually the same.
1: Wow. <laughs> actually that's a really good food <laughs> for thought. Yeah. <laughs> Breathe, don't resist. <laughs> that's <really> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Um it's just also really interesting to know that, or to, just to think about like these medicines, like you know, mushrooms, San Pedro, whatever you're working with, like, they all have, they all say they have their own, like, um spirit, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But like, why do they have that? Like, there's, okay, so that's also such a mysterious thing. Like, how does this medicine, especially ayahuasca, know how to show you how to help you change in the most beneficial way to you, specifically? Like, if you need a visual, if you need this like complex puzzle situation to be shown to you in a ceremony, that's what you'll get. But if you need like easy feminine love, it'll give you that. Like it knows what you need so well that, like, how can that not actually be? I mean, who knows? It could be like your higher self, you're like the deepest level within you that knows exactly what you need, or it could be a spirit, or it could be God, or it could be. Nature, like we don't know, and um, I just find that so fascinating that there's so much mystery in it, and it feels different and functions differently every time I do a ceremony. Um, so I was like, you can't grasp it,
2: mm. and that's
0: like the w- art, too. Like, I feel like if you try and hold on to a certain way of working or acting or moving your hand, like that's not how life flows, you know. Mm. Like
1: yeah.
0: that's why yeah, that's why like I have a I have a really hard time um like planning series because I feel like when I plan something it's just my mind coming up with this idea that's like definitely limited. So I always try and have like if it's if I'm planning a series it's like this idea But then I have to be open to that like totally changing and usually like the idea that I have I try and make it into something that's like either a, a question something to be learned from this process which at that point you can't lose like everything is a success if you're willing to to look
1: at what's actually happening you know what I mean. Totally. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about, You know, I know you work unplanned a lot of the time. Clearly your paintings are very intuitive and they definitely delve into the mystery that you're speaking to, which is part of their magic. Um, But I'm so curious because it's a question I've been asking myself. When you're somebody who works intuitively and unplanned and in this like surrendered way, what's your process for maybe like understanding what has come through, like understanding what's beneath the marks and the theme. Mm. Because I I think in a lot of the artists I work with, I think have this impression that people like decide on this idea and then they go make one, two, three, four, five paintings to like communicate that idea. And I've even tried to do that myself a bit in wanting to make my work more intentional, but it's so difficult to surrender to the process. So I'm just curious about your thoughts on how you navigated that.
0: Well, I think it's cool that what you just said, like, we try. You have to try everything yes. <laughs> to know to know what, like, is true for you. Yeah. I've totally tried that too. And I feel like it just feels too contrived
2: mm-hmm.
0: when you plan something and you just try and, like, fit everything into this box that you've created. So the meaning of my work always emerges, like, as I'm – and, okay, I'm sure you can relate to this, but the, there's there are layers – of meaning to the work that emerged. So, like certain parts of the meaning emerge as I'm making it and it sort of directs me in the work. Um, like the atmosphere, the mood, the energy of the painting kind of tells me where to go in the work. And then I feel like, okay, my favorite paintings are the works that I just, there's something, but I don't understand what it is. Like mm. it's not clear to me, but it's very, like it strikes a chord in me. Of some sort but i don't know what it is and those paintings take a long time to for me to understand like often years like that's i actually love that about about the type of work that we do because they also it's almost like they're often like well first of all they are and i believe that they are mirrors for the truth of our internal processes but also they often foreshadow something to come in the future that you can only understand when you experience that in the future. So it's like something happens a year or two later and it triggers some kind of visceral response or, or an image or a thought or something that actually makes sense if you look back at the work. So it's like you can only understand the work if you continue living your life. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know what's weird is there's like this weird correlation that I thought of in your own story about how there was like this big shift in your work before you even went to Peru. Like sometimes things open up in different timelines. Yeah. And out of order. And and I am ima- I think of that totally. a lot of the painting process as well, that like things can only be received in retrospect. And so so even this like kind yes. of described idea in the way that we have to present our work so people can understand it um of like oh i could just hand you the meaning on a platter in this time frame is like not completely yes. accurate and like we do the best no. we can because we want people to connect with the work but like also just yep. naming that like that's not the full truth always absolutely <laughs> absolutely no that's so true um
0: yeah time is not linear and <laughs> like and i th- actually that's such a good such a good point um another thing that I also love about the work and I'm sure you've noticed too, like everything like the work exists in relationship to to everything else so like the other paintings that you make or have made help you to understand that piece better so it's like they're all telling a slice of the story Mm -hmm. and without each other they don't really make sense but like with each other they define each other in certain ways like there isn't a meaning like the meaning is, I mean, that's so like, it's oversaid. I know the meaning is whatever you give it, but like it is. And I know that's with anything. It's like this table I'm looking at. The meaning of this table is whatever, like I'm giving it in this particular moment. But I try to stay away from describing what the work even means to me because I've seen the look of disappointment in people's faces Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: it changes what it means to them. And I think it loses some of its power for them because it's for everybody. You know what I'm saying?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, It is for them. And I don't want to take that away from them. And it it does if I overly describe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I love about this conversation? And I'm thinking it's so perfect for the nature (laughs) of just what we're talking about is that we've totally come full circle to what we entered this conversation with or yeah which oh, is yes. like talking about the work and it actually brings me all the way back around to a question <laughs> I was going to ask in the beginning and I think this is going to just tie it in perfectly is um so what is this like for you in working with like gallery owners like how are they supportive in this process for you I'd like, i like I'm really curious about the inside scoop here in like being an artist who sees their work in this way and has this insight and you're presenting yeah. your work and like operating in this other world. How's that? How's that been?
0: Um, well, okay. So I currently am only represented by one gallery in Edmonton
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they seem to be supportive of anything that I do. As long as the work is strong, they seem to be supportive of it. Cool. Um, I also think that it's my like firm belief that if you're honest, then it's gonna work out. (laughs) Like people are gonna just resonate with it. That's just how I've always felt. I've tried to like I remember at one point when I was just beginning to learn to talk about my what my work meant before I knew what it meant. I was like talking about how it was about painting and all this stuff, which is a complete lie. Like it's not (laughs) about that. Like And I look back and I'm like, wow, I really, and whenever those moments that I've learned like writing about the work and putting it out on like Instagram or Facebook, it is so like the engagement on those posts where I'm just completely upfront about what it is and what it makes me think about and how it makes me feel like people connect to that like so much. And so I've also so it's hard to say, like, I mean, between leaving my gallery in Toronto a few years ago and and now I have been, I've had the, I would say the most success career wise I've ever had, the more honest I get, the more success it seems to be, mm. um, which is really great. Like that's, but maybe that's just because I believe that's how it's going to be. So it is. Mm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, super meta, but also true.
0: <laughs> and also, like, I don't know, things are changing now so much, right? Like, the gallery model is changing. Like, artists don't necessarily need to go through a gallery in order to have institutional shows anymore. Like, things are just changing so much with social media and the internet. And, like, there's, there's kind of this, like, not like an elimination of the middleman. Like, we need galleries. I need galleries. Like, there's such a support. For artists and like emotionally professionally and also the spaces to show the work which I need (laughs) because I make Mm -hmm. large paintings Mm -hmm. um but I think that things are just changing and I think it's actually great and I think things can be more collaborative and if they're more collaborative it opens up the possibility to be more honest about the work anyways because then people are choosing to work together and it's more of like an even playing field in a way yeah um I
1: also just yeah, I also just don't care anymore as much. <laughs> <laughs> that radiates from you, like that's very in a really positive way. Like just the way that you're smiling as you say that, like I just don't care anymore. Like you just seem so light and free, and and I, I guess what I'm trying to say there is that the healing work you've done really shows. Like I think it really radiates from you, and I imagine that that's why you've attracted the like like-minded people that you have. Why your things totally. are connecting with people, and I think. It's interesting. It's something we really have to go through. Like, how can I get approved? What's the appropriate way to navigate this space? Because I think that's totally. also what gives you the freedom to let it go. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually,
0: it's you know, as you get older, you like you realize like we're still so young, but you can't skip any steps. Like you have to go through those years of well, not everyone, everyone has their own path, but I had to go through those years of like. Desperately wanting approval from from people, Mm. and like that was something I had to heal from my childhood, and it's all these different things, and like, like the reason. Okay, it's actually kind of funny. The reason why I think I did so well in my undergrad and after that, like with my work, is because I had worked so hard. I was trying to prove my worth so intensely for years and years and years and years that I just like pushed so hard that I had success. But then at some point you realize it's like an empty success. Mm. And you're like, it's totally, it's like you the way that I think about it is like you built this like house, this like structure, this beautiful structure, but then you forgot to build the foundation. So like no matter how much you keep building, you at some point have to go back and like resolve this foundational issue. Mm. in order to move forward otherwise the whole thing is going to collapse
1: yeah it's so true for healing work in general too it's like you better just go into the darkness and do it sooner rather than later because
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> totally take me there we'll pay off. Right now. yeah
1: <laughs> uh aaron this has been so like heartwarming for me and such a joy to finally connect with you um thank you i'm so grateful for everything that you've shared before we fully wrap up is there anything like, what's next for you? What are you working on now? What are you gearing towards? Is there anything you'd like to share about?
0: Um, well, I think that I'm experiencing a similar a similar period that a lot of people are right now like i'm I'm kind of like going through the pandemic and the lockdown and everything it kind of really like put a wrench in things and slowed everyone down and just a lot of changes have occurred and i i'm I feel like I'm just kind of getting my feet back on the ground in terms of like feeling creative and like motivated to make things again. Um, my studio mate just moved out of her portion of the studio. So I, I'm currently taking over the whole space.
1: Mm. I was and about never like, Dang, I wish I lived my... in Canada.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try it out and see if it works yeah. out, but I'm like really excited about that because what I'm, I'm going to have is like, I have this main section where I make my oil paintings, but what's always bothered me is that I didn't have an area to make works on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I have this whole other section to devote to working in other mediums and uh, things that shouldn't be contaminated by oil, oil paint and everything gets contaminated in this area. So Mm -hmm. to be able to like oscillate back and forth between um, different modes of creating is really exciting to me right now. Um, and I also am just working on simplifying my work. So that's a new, again, I, don't, I have no idea where it's going, but something is coming out right now that is a lot more slower and meditative. And I'm realizing that I always make the work that I need and I must need this work right now. So I'm just going to dive into that. So that's where I am. I'm kind of in transition right now.
1: Hmm. That's all very inspiring. Um, I imagine for everybody listening to listening as well. It's like, I feel that there's been so much permission in this conversation to like surrender, make the work that's just like honest to you, like be in the messy middle, let it reveal itself. Um, I think that's part of your medicine too. So appreciate you sharing that.
0: Thank you so much. This has been so, I feel like we've been friends forever.
1: I know me too. I totally <laughs> feel the same way. We'll have to have you back on the show. I'm sure there's a part two around the corner. (laughs) I would love. I would love to (laughs) come. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Erin. I know we're all gonna be following along and seeing what comes next. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Erin is such a wonderful soul. I really hope to have her back on. So please do check out her work. Everything is linked up for you in the show notes. And as far as the Art & Magic podcast, as per usual, the best way you can support the show is to leave a review. They are so, so important to us and to the growth and to getting this out there to other artists like yourself. So you can just scroll down wherever you're listening and hit the five stars or hit write a review. Another fabulous way to support us is to share the episodes you're listening to on Instagram. That really helps us get the word out. I also get a lot of joy in seeing what episodes you're resonating with, where you're listening and all that jazz. Be sure to tag us and to follow us. Uh, On Instagram, we are at art and magic podcast. And if you would like to keep up with me and what's happening in my studio, my Instagram is at devonwallsart. And with that, we are at the end of our show for today. Until next time, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.